I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We're gonna give You can even watch back, giving players all the props, or put them on blast. We don't give no hot takes, only talk facts. We're giving all our devotion, riding high on this wave of emotion. Going all out, yeah, cause this is our time. No, we no stopping us till we reach the finish line. To my man Sammy, got it off the ground. And to all the listeners tuned in right now, got debates, analysis, and speculation. This is sports talk for the new generation. You know where to find us, got a reputation. Sick podcast, your number one sports destination. We're giving all our devotion, riding high on this wave of emotion. Going all out, yeah, cause this is our time. No, we no stopping us till we Riding high on this wave of emotion Going all out, yeah, cause this is our 
Listen to the Sick Podcast with Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemair back to Lafleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> there is a ball. Sports entertainment. Like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est la bonne pour les Canadiens. Le 23e de l'histoire. You found the dogs! John, you found the dogs! He found the dogs! And all together they worked a young team to the top. And now a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground. Your premier gaming destination. It's going to be sick. It is going to be sick. Last night was sick. The night before was sick. It's all sick nights on the Sick Podcast. I'm Marinaro. Me, moi, Eo, with you for at least another hour to wrap up NHL Draft 2023. Thank you all for watching on YouTube Live, Facebook Live, Twitter Live. Subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already. It's absolutely free. I want to uh, send uh, special thanks 
to our partners and our sponsors, Energy Transportation Group, recently named by Deloitte and CIBC as one of Canada's best managed companies, the country's leading business award, recognizing innovative and world-class companies. The best managed Canadian companies designation fuels energy's purpose of creating progress for their customers, their employees, their communities. Join a winning team and check out Energy's career page for available opportunities. Thank you, Energy. Also brought to you in part by Playground, your premier gaming destination. Experience the world-renowned poker experience with free food. I like that. And drinks like that at their cash game tables. A bad beat jackpot approaching $1.8 million. Weekly promotions, daily tournaments, and unmatched customer service. Why play anywhere else? Located just over the Mercier Bridge, only minutes from downtown Montreal Playground. And brewed in Quebec and a winner of a dozen international awards. La Bite at TB offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Bite at TB, embrace your true nature. A lot of people were asking for them yesterday, but unfortunately, somebody beat me to the punch. Actually, it's been a ritual for a long time that Simon the Snake Boisvert does a draft live um, analysis with my buddy Mathias Brunet of La Presse newspaper. So he was occupied with him yesterday, but he said, Tony, I'm not doing anything on Thursday night after the draft. That says, Simon, you're going on with Marinaro. There he is. Simon, the snake. Boisvert. Hi, Tony. Hey, I saw that picture that you put up with, uh, hello, Simon, with uh, Mathias Brunet. That picture was from about seven or eight years ago. You have everyone fooled. Uh, you look like a, a young pup. Wow. It's actually like 13 years old, but... Uh... That, that's the one La Price has. Yeah, yeah, that's the one that. Uh, oh, okay, okay. So not my fault. You didn't send in a recent picture. I looked at it. I said, "My God, this guy looks like he's twenty-five years old." No, now, no, no. now it all makes sense. Hey, how are you? <laughs> I'm okay, and you? Okay, I'm a little bit good. tired, you know. We, yeah, a couple of busy days. Never mind, tired. You know what? We'll sleep when we're dead. Listen to me carefully. All right, let's go right now. No messing around. And Graham McCag, by the way, of Recruits and Recruits.ca, is going to join us a little bit later on. Uh, in the podcast, probably in about, I'm looking just to see the confirmation here, uh, in about 15 or 20 minutes time. And uh, we're also going to be joined by uh, Mitchell Brown, uh, who writes, of course, for EP Ringside and videos on elite prospects. So we're going to get him on probably in about 35 minutes time. All right, let's go right away. No messing around. You had a chance to see it. You had a chance to digest it. Matt Vemichkov was available at pick number five. Carey Price went up with Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon. Carey Price got the first name right. He couldn't get the last name. Kent Hughes pretended like he was actually part of the script. He actually bailed him out. Carey forgot about it. A disaster. Anyway, that's one disaster. Then the pick, a fan base that is dejected for the most part. Everyone recognizes that the kid is a good defenseman and will be a good NHLer. Everyone recognizes the fact that you're going to need a defenseman in the playoffs that's going to log 24, 25, 26 minutes per game. Everyone recognizes the fact that a right-handed defenseman is a luxury and, and an asset that's not easy to find. But this is Montreal. This is Le Canadien de Montreal. This is the Flying Frenchman. This is Maurice Rocket Richard. Jean Beliveau, Guy Lafleur. Even 15 years after Lafleur, Stéphane Richer. They wanted Michkov. They drafted David Reinbacher. Your thoughts? 
Well, I think we spoke about it on the last podcast that I was on maybe three weeks ago. And I think we discussed the Reinbacher's situation. I like the guy. I think he's probably a number two defenseman, like Kent Hughes said. Uh, yes, everything you said is true. You need a right-handed defenseman. This is a guy who's going to be probably a very, very effective guy in the playoffs eventually. So I have nothing against the pick. I had him ranked at number five. I have nothing against the pick if you don't want Michkov. But not wanting Michkov to me, I don't understand. I know they must have had reports about him and his behavior. Yeah, but you know, this is 2023. What do they want? You know, they want player from the 1960s, you know, yes, sir, yes, sir, no, sir. I mean, this is a new generation. The reports are a very selfish player, a player with a lot of attitude, a me, myself, and I kind of player, a player who wants to score 50 goals and a player who doesn't care if he gives the puck to his teammates, but he wants it on his stick all the time. Uh, so what? He's 18, okay? I'm, I, I, if, if I made a list of everything I said and did when I was 18, uh, I mean, uh, come on. It, to me, this is nothing. The guy who is going to reach the NHL, there's going to be veteran players around him. And at some point, he's going to grow up. He's going to blend in. And the important thing is, he's probably going to score 50 goals. I was selfish at 18, too. I used to go to the clubs and the ladies in the bar. I wanted them all. Exactly. In Mozitumo. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't talked to you in so long. You know that you're a fan favorite on this podcast, eh? Well, People thank love you. you. Thank you. People love polarizing, you. maybe. Polarizing. Polarizing, yes. You know what? It doesn't matter if they love you or hate you as long as they listen to you or watch you. And you exactly. have that. By the way, I have a little bit of that too. You know what? As long as people keep on watching. But I can't do it without them. My sick army, my sick community. I love them all and I thank them. All right, okay. We know, listen. Sometimes when you listen to people talk and you listen to Kent Hughes yesterday and you listen to uh, Nick Bobrov earlier today and Marty Lapointe, when you listen to them, I think we all have it figured out. Okay, whether and I think Reinbacker is going to be a good pick, by the way, and I understand the logic of seeing four of the top five forwards going out in the draft. So you pick the best defenseman. I get that. I kind of equate this to a fantasy pool, an NHL pool. You've been in them before. Some pools, you just draft 10 players. Some pools, you draft 20 players. Some pools, you, you do a fantasy pool with a with a salary cap. Some of them snake. You know the way they go? I've been in a pool where you can draft uh, eight forwards, two defensemen, and a goalie, for example. Mm -hmm. So let's say you're drafting fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, and the first five, six players that go out, they're all forwards. So you say to yourself, okay, I know I'm not going to have the best forward in this pool. Chances are I'm not because Connor McDavid is out and Leon Dreisaitl is out, and Nikita Kucherov is out, and Pasternak's out, and McKinnon's out. So now what do I do, okay? So you look at that and you say, but you know what? If I can get Eric Carlson, I'm going to end up nabbing the defenseman who's going to pick up the most points, or if I get Kale McCarr. So I don't have one of the top four forwards of the draft class, but I'll have one of the top two defensemen. So I'll have the top one. I understand the logic. Really, I do. Having said that, though, let's put the cards on the table. They heard things about his attitude that scared them off. The fact that he's Russian and the uncertainty, that scared them off. The fact that he had a three-year contract, 
That scared him off. And But he's a high-risk, high-reward kind of player. In the end, they weren't willing to take that chance. Some, some will say they chickened out. Maybe they did. Maybe it's too strong a term. They didn't have the courage to go with a high-risk, high-reward. You know, they didn't have the courage to go for the home run. They wanted to go for a double. That might turn into a triple. But don't forget, the team that went with that home run, they might end up striking out. Yeah, They swung. The Flyers swung. It's interesting that you mentioned the word chicken because I was on BPM uh, Spa a few, maybe an hour ago. A couple I of love hours. that radio station, by the way. I know the you best do. All sports radio station in the province of Quebec. Yeah. And basically, I, I actually use the word chicken about the Habs. And I think what it is, what I've realized about the uh, Canadians' management, and don't get me wrong, I like Kent Hughes. He's a smart guy. I like the way he operates, but there is one thing I have Tell me. Uh, that bothers me. Huh. It's, it's, the, it's the idea that he always needs to be surrounded by people he knows or people who know people he knows. I call it the Boston click, you know? So at some point, you know, New Hook played in Boston College. There's always like a, a, a link to someone he knows or an environment he's familiar with. And he doesn't want to take any chances. Yeah, but that's doing a lot of homework. That's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Because all the players that he's going after, the Boston connection, the Boston college connection, well, you know, he's talking to their to their players, to those yeah. players, to their parents, to their coaches. He's seen them. He's watched them now. He watched them a year ago. He watched them two years ago. He probably coached some of them. He's got intel. He's got inside information. Yeah. So the information he's given, he likes. So he proceeds. But he seems to limit himself to this. And I know that's the business of sports. You've seen it. In, you, you, we see it in every sport right now. So it's not just the Habs. But I think really, why, why were they afraid of taking Mishkov? This is what I would like to know. Are, are they afraid to lose their jobs? Did Jeff Molson say anything? I, I really don't know. Did they hear something that is so bad? But if it were so bad, why did the Flyers choose him? I don't think Jeff Molson said anything. No, exactly. The only thing Jeff Molson could have said was, guys, I probably think it's a good idea that Carrie makes the pick. <laughs> you want to know it? You, you want to know why I said that? And I'm yeah. going to tell you why. I'm, I'm not kidding, though, by the way. And I don't, know, I don't have any information on this. But last year, okay, last year, they called up a player who didn't make the pick but was there on the stage with them. Remember Nick Suzuki was on stage with them? Yeah. yeah. But in the Mark Bergevin era, correct me if I'm wrong, but Cole Caulfield was selected by Shea Weber. Yeah, remember so that. If 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 a player is making a pick now, and a player made a pick under the previous management team, and a player is making a pick now under a certain director of amateur scouting, and a player made a pick under the previous director of amateur scouting, it could be that it either comes from Jeff Molson or someone within the marketing department who said that Jeff, hey Jeff, it might be a good deal if one of our players actually goes up and makes the pick. Yeah, they probably copy it from the NFL. You know, like starting in round two, they have these guests, you know, former players or current players making picks. Look, to me, this is... No, no, but can you give the guy, but between you and I, like, I know we should probably rest and put this to rest, but I can't. Sometimes yeah, he's stronger cares. than me, okay? But yeah. can we write the guy's name on a cue card so like yeah. that when the guy goes up? Because yeah. they told Carrie the to pick like one minute before he actually picked it, okay? But can you write the guy's name on a cue card? Can you do something? 
Yeah, because it's not like the guy's name was uh, Joe Smith. My impossible, but we had to go all the way to Nashville in front of 20,000 people live on television. But is it possible that we have to be the laughing stock of the league sometimes? This young man who's worked so hard to get to this moment, and I know, by the way, I'm going to get a lot of crap by people because I'm harping on this, but I think it's very unfortunate that this young man, okay, from Austria, who's worked so hard to get to this moment, this is the only time he's going to have this moment in his life. This is what it's going to look like on, uh, on YouTube for the rest of his life. Yeah, yeah. Look, I think he's going to have anyway. uh, a lot of pressure also in a way because he's always going to be seen as the guy that Habs took instead of Mishkov. And I think the only way that this can be excused is that they're going to tell us, well, Arizona passed on him and they, and they took a Russian player. So, and San Jose passed on him. And Mike Greer said that he heard things that he didn't like about. Yeah. Him. Yeah. He said that. Yeah. He yeah. said that. So they, they, they have a, a, an excuse pretty much built in. But once Mishkov starts scoring 50 goals in Philly with Cutter Gauthier as a line mate, all hell will break loose unless the Habs are winning and Reinbacher is good. You think so, eh? Yeah. So you, you see 50 goals in Mishkov? Yeah. In Philadelphia? Yeah. With Cutter Gauthier? Yeah. Okay, you ready for this? Yeah. They pass on Mishkov. Who's a better pick, David Reinbacher or Quentin Musty? Believe it or not, yeah, I had Reinbacher listed one spot ahead of Musty. I had Musty at number six. I had Reinbacher at number five. So I do like Reinbacher. Nah, well, you, you tell me now, it's been 15 minutes into the podcast, you tell me you like Reinbacher. You've been making it sound like it's the worst pick in the history of the National Hockey League. No. 15 minutes later, you tell me you like the guy. I, I always said I like the guy. My, my, my probably too, more, I said it last night. Ah. I mean... I've been saying it for for weeks. I even said it to you a few weeks ago. Uh, yeah, I love right. the guy. And you know what? I must you have forgot. And, and the thing is, although he might not be a Norris Trophy uh, candidate, I find that it was the best option, if the non the best non-Mishkov option, because once those four forwards were gone, yeah, it was a big drop. I mean, Ryan Leonard, for heaven's sake, Dalibor Dvorsky. I mean, who cares about these guys? How many points will Dvorsky made in the NHL? 30? Hey, Dvorsky is a good player. He lacks a little bit of foot speed, in my opinion. But then again, yeah, I'm not a, a pro. That's a major problem. That's a major yeah. problem. Yeah, no. And, and now it and Leonard, to me, he was the third wheel uh, with the smith Pedro uh, on the smith Pedro well, line. That, that's a big statement because Pedro went 23rd in the draft. He slipped I love a lot. Pedro. So. I love Pedro. I would so, have taken Pedro uh, way, uh, way ahead of a lot of guys. So let I me ask Pedro's you this. Be a very good player. So let me ask you this, because a lot of NHL scouts obviously must have thought that Pedro was the third wheel on the line because he's the one who slipped the most. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Were the Montreal Canadiens better off making the trade for Alex Newhook and trading their 31st and 37th and Janny Fairbrother or not making that deal or making a different kind of deal, still maintaining pick number 31 and using 31 and something else yesterday to dangle it to try and get up and draft Pedro or... Quentin Musty. Well, it takes two to tango. So I don't know if the tango. 31st pick and, and, or, and the 37th would have given them, let's say, the 22nd pick to get Musty. Maybe, maybe not. 
uh, I think it, they would have been better off with Musty than New, New Hook. That's the short answer. Have, uh, have you been on a panel with my buddy Grant McCagg before? No, but I do know Grant. Yeah. And uh, although we don't, we don't always agree. Uh, yeah. We, oh, you don't we, always agree? No, of course not. Well, I, I, have you ever seen two uh, draft analysts agree on everything? It's impossible. Yeah, those are usually draft analysts that don't have much of an opinion. But those who have an opinion, yeah, they do often, they're not going to agree. You're right about that. Okay, yeah, so yeah. Why, why don't I do this? Why don't I bring him in from Recruits sure. and Recruits.ca? Grant McCag, what's crackulating, yeah. my man? Simon. <laughs> Hi, Grant. So great, great to hear that uh, you had Reinbacher ahead of Musty. I think that just, I mean, great pick. Right? Yeah. <laughs> That's what that means. Zing, zing, hey, zing, zing. Grant comes in already. Zing. <laughs> one, zero, McCag. One, yeah. zero, zing. All right. No, uh, I mean, uh, uh, I'm, glad that, I'm glad that you had him top five, you know, because uh, um, most NHL scouts have him somewhere between four and, and, and eight, you know, or four and ten anyways. Um, the public list don't always, uh, you know, make – don't always match the NHL list, that's for sure. Guys, it, it, you know it's shocking sometimes how different they are. Because one public list comes out and everybody else sort of copies it and just yeah. plays with it. You know, like number four becomes number six and everything. That's why these public lists, I don't really care because they're just copycats. Yeah, some of them are. That's true. I mean, anybody can take, you know, 10 public lists and uh, average them out and come up with a list and say, hey, here's my list. Yeah. You know, and think that that means if you average out the uh, every pick in the in ten public lists, then that's you know that's the master list. But there is no master list, that's for sure. Guys, no. this is what I want to do. All right, I want to get to the Canadians' draft selections uh, at some point here during the podcast. Once again, David Reinbacher, defenseman, at number five. Jacob Fowler, a goalie, at sixty-nine. Florian Jackai, Arbor's younger brother, a left winger at 101. Bogdan Kanushkov, if I hope I said that correctly, a defenseman at 110. Kante Miller, a goalie at 128. Sam Harris, a left winger at 133. Yevgeny Volokin, a goalie at 144. Philip Erickson, a center at 165. And Luke Middlestad, a defenseman at 197. I want to get to them later, but before... Uh, I do. Why don't we do this? Earlier today, Nick Bobrov asked about why Rombacher and why not Michkov. Let's listen to him. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. 
Learn more at marines.com. Uh, on the reasoning for the linebacker pick yesterday, how you felt that was the right pick in that spot with, with what was available, just how the, the thought process worked, please. Yeah, sure. Um, obviously, it's, it's no mystery to anyone um, how difficult it is to acquire certain assets, um, what it takes to acquire them, and we all watch the playoffs. And I think for two months of the year, we get reminded what works and what wins. Um, then maybe we tend to forget for 10 months, and then we get reminded again. So uh, we felt that uh, David, given what he's done this year, um, and last year, in fact, uh, his growth, uh, his potential um, are very, very intriguing and extremely difficult to obtain. Um, you know, we see that every draft team's trying to trade up um, and get that guy. Uh, so uh, we were fortunate that uh, he was there for us, and uh, we have very high hopes for him. That right. was hard to hear, but I caught most of it. Okay, so uh, basically uh, he said we all saw in the playoffs yeah. um, what you need to win, and we see it for two months, and then for 10 months of the regular season, we don't see it. And then again, we get reminded in the playoffs again. Uh, he talked about how difficult it is to obtain an asset like that, and I think he's obviously talking about a defenseman, with size, a right-handed defenseman who can log a lot of minutes and possibly be a top-pairing guy. Um, that's what it sounded like to me. So on that note, though, I think it's all fair what he said, guys. But hold on a second. And by the way, I so love listening to Bobrov. He comes across as you may not like him as a scout. Some may do, some may not. But... He's Intelligent. I like his, he's intelligent. I like his rationale. Like the way he thinks makes yeah. sense. It might not always translate it to the best pick, but I think it makes sense. And the reason why I think it makes sense is because I think the same and I think I make sense. Okay, now <laughs> let, me, let me get that out of the way. Um, you guys, you can't always, though, when you want to pass along your point, try and use a certain reasoning. And then, as an organization, you do the opposite. Let me explain. Basically, Bob Brov is saying that you need not only defensemen to win in the playoffs who log a lot of minutes and right-handed defensemen, but he's also saying that you need size. Did you guys interpret it the same way? Mm -hmm. Okay. They made a trade for Alex Newhook after already having Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield. Once 5'7", once 5'10", once 5'11", there's going to be three players that are going to play on your top six that are that size. The playoffs over the last couple of years have shown us that you don't win with a small team either. You understand what I'm trying to say? Like you, I understand his point for Reinbacker. It all makes sense. But they're not following that rationale with the forwards, are they? Grant? Well, I think, you know, 5'10", and 5'11". I mean, look at Tampa. 
you know, they had Point, Kucherov, uh, uh, you know, they had three or four guys gored at one point. When they won cups, they had four or five guys in their top nine that were under six feet. You're right. I mean, you got to have a big defense, I think, is basically what he's saying. You don't yeah. necessarily have to have all big forwards. I mean, you have okay. a mix, right? Okay. That's one of the reasons why they got Slavkovsky was the to help with that mix, to help balance off having a Caulfield and, uh, you know, and just getting a new hook there now. And, you know, they obtained Heineman, who's a pretty big kid, and and, uh, and Doc, 6'4". So they're, you know, yeah, new hooks one acquisition. You're right, Tony, that's not huge. But their other moves for forwards have been have been big. So... I think you know you uh, you get the mix if you can, and uh, mm-hmm. and I think what's important, and I mentioned it last night, and a lot of what he said, I I did say last night, and uh, I so I agree with him, obviously, <laughs> but uh, um, the the last three rounds of the NHL playoffs, it was two defensemen that were under six feet, so you know. That's important that you have size on the blue line. There's the odd exception, obviously. Yeah. But you, uh, you know, you can't. Uh, and um, I think he, I mean, without saying it, you know, he's he's saying he's not sure that uh, Michkov is going to be necessarily help you win a lot well, of games. Well, we'll he, get to he, that. Get a, we'll lot get, of, to get a lot of points, but will he, you know, is he going to be a consummate team player, two-way player that yeah. helped you win at playoff time? How many one-way skill players were there playing in the finals up front? Were there any on either team that you could just say if don't play well defensively? I don't think there was one. Phil you have to buy in. You have to buy in 100% to win four rounds in the NHL playoffs. And I don't know that Bob Roth thinks that Mitchkov is going to be one of those guys. But Phil Kessel is that kind of player, though, that you're talking about. But I agree with your point. But do you agree with well, me that Kessel is that kind of player? And I get it at this stage of his well, career. Phil Kessel played with, with Malkin and Crosby. I think that had something to do with them winning a cup. Like, you know, I mean, it wasn't they didn't win a cup because of Phil Kessel. I mean, he was a secondary part. But I, I, you asked a question, I answered no, it. Right? Well, I mean, no. I, I, your, your point is, 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 is well noted. You're right. You're right. You usually don't win championships with guys who are known as, you know, uh, guys who play for themselves more so than they play for the team, right? Right. And I don't think Phil Kessel played poor defensively in in, in those cup runs. He played pretty well all around. He's not noted to be. He's not a defense first player, but their third line, the whole line was effective, and he, you know. He wasn't. Uh, he was wasn't a sieve defense. He was better defensively than Nail Yakupov, the last great five ten Russian that was drafted. Yeah, no, that you're right about that. that but let, let me give you another Russian player. Let me ask you if either you gentlemen think that this player that I'm going to talk about was that kind of player, selfish, me myself and I, me before the team. Okay, Ilya Kovalchuk, yes or no? At the beginning yeah, of his, he was. Yeah, and then at some point he became more of a team player. So right. they so they they possibly passed on a Kovalchuk yesterday, thinking that a Kovalchuk type player they won't be able to win with a guy like that. Well, Kovalchuk was six three. There's a little difference. Uh, yeah, there's a little is. difference there too. There is. You know, is uh, is, would you put Kovalev in that kind of uh, category? Again, big guy. Kovalev yeah. could power through people. You know, 
Um, when he put his mind to it, Kovalev was a runaway train. He, you know, <laughs> um, he won with power, and you couldn't stop that. Like his size and speed and power is not something that Michkov has. You know, it's going to beat you with finesse, but maybe you know to a certain degree power, but not like Kovalev. He's not again not that type of player. Yeah. The the one five ten Russian winger that has had success in the last eight years was Kaprizov, but it was after five years. It was after yeah. two GMs got fired and they still haven't won a playoff series eight years after he was drafted. So do you draft Michkov and eight years later, you haven't won a playoff series, but Hey, last year he scored a hundred points for us. Yeah. Well, I, I, give me, give me a playoff team that wins some series. Snake Grant brought up a fact. As a matter of fact, he brought up a couple of them. There weren't too many defensemen that were undersized that were left playing in the playoffs down the stretch. And every team that wins the Stanley Cup, at least at least in the last five years, has had a, a horse on defense who plays 25-plus minutes a game. You need one of those guys. I mean, Vegas Golden Knights don't win the Cup without Pietrangelo. Forget about it. It's not happening. Sure. So, you know, a lot. some people are looking at this pick as the end of the world. Is it really the end of the world? Really? They probably no. got the best defenseman in the draft. Yeah, he, he, he's no Kale McCarr, obviously, but uh, yeah, he was the best defenseman in the far in the draft, I think, by far. By the way, because oh, you think by far? Oh yeah, by far, by far, because he's a complete guy. You you take guys like Pelika, send in Pelika, uh, the Simashev, uh, Gule Gulyayev, You know that was drafted by Colorado. I mean. They're talented puck movers, but who knows if they're going to make it? Who knows if they're going to be good? There's a lot of question marks over these guys, whereas David Ronbacher, there are no question marks. This is, in my book, like Kentu says, a number two defenseman or a number one defenseman on a weaker team. One but more clip. Defenseman maybe on a cup winning team. One more clip from Nick Bobrov, this time asked about, okay, so you told us why... Reinbacher, but basically, why not Michkov? Listen to this. Why was that element prioritized over maybe the other ones that do also win in the playoffs? I think in this case, um, there were not only uh, attributes that we loved in the player, but the knowns that we have in the player versus many of the unknowns that may exist with others um, and again it's uh, it's a very very difficult uh, asset to obtain um, so um, uh, we felt that it was the right place uh, the right player um, and we're building a culture um, we want certain things that permeate that culture as we keep building this uh, we felt that this player embodies the type of culture that Jeff, Kent, Marty, the coaching staff, uh, are trying to build. And that was not a tri trivial matter to us. So culture was an important word. All right, there you have it. Basically saying, and not talking specifically about Michkov, but you got the feeling that he was. When asked about, okay, you talked to us about the assets that Ryan Backer has, but how about the assets the other players have? And he says, listen. It's a player that we know 
compared to other situations where we don't know, where there's a lot of unknowns. So A, there's unknowns, and B, the other thing is, we're trying to build a culture here. And this player that we chose fits in that culture that Jeff, Kent, and Marty want to have here. And so he's a perfect fit. And there you have it. So without saying it, he basically said, there's a lot of unknowns regarding Michkov. And he basically said, this guy wouldn't fit into our culture. He's not what we're all about. It's their choice, basically. It's their philosophy. Yeah. Whereas in, in Philly, they figured, okay, we're drafting number seven. Who, who, who's left? We have a potential 50-goal scorer. Yes, there are red flags. But they choose to take him. And they, for them, that kind of culture that Bobrov is mentioning is not that important. So I guess it's just an organizational choice, in my opinion. So let me ask you this, Simon Snake Boisvert. You're the head yeah. scout for the Montreal Canadiens. You draft Matt Mivichkov yesterday. Three years from now, he joins the team. He gets the camp. The players find that he's a prima donna, this, that, whatever. He's all about himself. Marty St. Louis is still the coach. He's going absolutely nuts. This guy's alienating everybody. He doesn't want to pass the puck to anybody. He's hogging the whole time. He's staying on for extended shifts and all that stuff. How do we fix this? Well, I'm the head scout. I'm not the guy who's supposed to fix these things. So the be probably what happens is that I lose my job. <laughs> I, you know, Philadelphia doesn't have a Suzuki, Caulfield, and Slavkowski already on the team under 24 years of age and Doc. So I think it was easier for them to pick to take the chance on his character than Montreal, who does have those four players. I, you know, there seems to be this conception that Michkov's going to be better than Slavkowski. Uh, um, Caulfield and Suzuki. And I don't know that Montreal, I don't know that. I don't know that Montreal knows that. And and part of it is, and I've said it before, is Bob Rov and these guys are worried about having no say in his development over the next three years. Is he going to pick up NHL habits over the next three years playing in the KHL? Uh, probably not. Yeah. So how long does it take you to get him to adapt to the NHL when he comes? Kaprizov had a had a smoother transition, but he also played, I believe, five years, was it not? Five. In the KHL? Yeah, because you know? he signed another contract afterwards. Right. He was like 24, 25. Well, Michkov will be 21, 22. Who knows what will happen over the next three years? And who knows if he's I, – I doubt that he's going to jump into the NHL and be a 100-point two-way player, you know. Well, in three years, I think Caulfield's going to be a 50-goal scorer. And I think Suzuki might be a 100-point guy. And I think Slavkowski could be a 70 to 90-point guy, somewhere in there. Doc, maybe. Well, do you draft an unknown Russian 5'10 winger who may not even be one of your top three players or on your top line over a defenseman who could be playing 20 to 25 minutes on your top pairing? I, it, you know, it, it's just there's no question for me that you take you take Reinbacher over that. Grant, you raised some great points. I, I think for those who are obviously not scouts like yourselves uh, and just look at it from afar, 
Offensive players are sexy picks. We know that defensive players are not sexy picks. That's number one. <laughs> this is the Montreal Canadiens. Morris Rocket Richard, Guy Lafleur, Yvan Cornoyer, the list goes on and on. It says something. Number yeah. three, here's the deal, is that everyone's talking about how hard it would be to get an asset like Reinbacher one day. But take a look at Reinbacher. Ask those who cover all of this for their projection of his ceiling. And if he hits his ceiling, and it's a big if, and if Michkov comes over, big if, and if Michkov comes over on time, big if, and if Michkov hits his ceiling, another big if, who has the bigger ceiling? Like a lot of people seem to believe that if they both hit their ceiling, that Michkov could be a generational player. Oh, I don't know about generational. No. Name the well, last not, five. So ten, name the last five, five, ten Russian generational player. Has there ever been anyone close? Ovechkin's a generational player. Five ten. He's six. He's two hundred and thirty-five pounds. No, at that size, no. No. Um, but name me, it, name it, me, it, a, name me another. Somebody, five, somebody nine. had a stat. Somebody had a stat up. up yes, uh, that I read. Okay. Um, players that in their draft year playing in Europe in uh, in men's league. Mm-hmm. Um, the 22 points that uh, that that Reinbacher got this past year is the most since Dalene. I saw that. That's amazing, actually. You More know? so than Roman Yossi and all that stuff. But I have a question for you because you asked an interesting question. Can I ask you one back? Sure. Name the last Canadian generational player who was under 5'10". It's not an easy exercise, right? Right. The last Canadian-born player under 5'10 was generational. You want to know why I ask it? Because a lot of people are saying that Connor Bedard is going to be generational. So maybe maybe there aren't any in the past, Grant, but it doesn't mean that there aren't going to be, right? When you say, Tony, name me a 5'9". Sidney Crosby's 5'10 and a half. He's basically the oh. same height same height as, as Michkov. And uh, I'll ask. Uh, here's a question back for you, Tony. Yeah. Do, do, does, you know, Guy Lafleur, yeah, you know. Terrific score, all that. Do they win? Do they win six cups in the seventies without the big three? No, but the big three don't win the six cups without Lafleur. You Mosey need both, right? Ah, you need both. Yeah, Grant, yeah, okay. I've so loved the contributions you brought to the table yesterday and tonight. And uh, I, I, you know what? You were so good yesterday that I called you a little bit last minute tonight and asked you if you can give me some time. And you gra- you graciously said yes. It took uh, some time away from uh, uh, from your lovely partner there. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right. Yeah, we missed the end of Jeopardy. So yeah, give my regards to the misses. All right. Okay. Thank <laughs> we'll, you. We'll, 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 we'll talk to you soon. All right. Okay. I'd like to introduce on the sick podcast, Snake. If you can stay with me. All right. Of course. I'd love to introduce if we can. Uh, from um, Elite Prospects and uh, and uh, EP Ringside, Mitchell Brown for the very first time. Mitch, how are you? Not too bad. I'm really excited. The draft is over. The summer is about to begin for like 24 hours, and then we go right back to the grind. Yeah. How are you guys doing? Very good, Mitch. So uh, say hi to Simon. Simon, say hi to Mitch. Hey, Mitch. Uh, A pleasure. Guys, uh, Mitch, I'll start with you. Who's the big winner in the draft? Who's besides, the big, I mean, 
Besides Chicago, Chicago, who got Connor Bedard, obviously, but which which teams would you give like the you know the best grade in the report card? I think you got to look at Anaheim. Walk out of there with Fantilli. That's a or Anaheim. No, Anaheim because you walk out of there with Carlson. You can see my brain had already plugged in how the draft yeah, was going to go. Okay. That's okay. And then they sucked that right underneath my feet. I think. Anaheim, you look at that. You look at Columbus. I mean, walking out with Brinley, Fantilli, Strathman, Whitelaw, so much talent there. I really liked, honestly, like I thought compared to a lot of years, this was a relatively sane draft. A lot of teams leaned heavily on the upside. I liked what even, even Arizona, a team that it can be a little bit all over the place. I liked what they did a lot. So it was a good draft all around, but it's they got They got two Russian line mates in the first round, right? They're not line mates, but they do play on the same team. Uh, and then they're, both, yeah. they're both they're both big. They both got a ton of upside. And, of course, you like the fact that they have them both together, uh, right? It gives you not, a little bit more certainty. Not line mates, right? Because one was Simishev and the other one is uh, the Danil Boot, right? Yeah, yeah. One's a forward, one's, one's a defenseman. A one's a Simishev's a defenseman and Danil Boot's a forward, yeah. Okay. Uh, I love the suits, by the way, Arizona, with that, <laughs> marine, that maroon color. I love it. Uh, okay. Uh, Simon... The Canadians, they drafted three goalies. Yeah. That's uncommon, is it not? Well, at some point, you know, you reach a, a, a point in the draft where you look at your list and you're thinking, how many guys that are left, let's say forwards or defensemen, who can be top four or top nine players or even Fourth line players, okay? But these fourth line players, they're very easy to get on, you know, any time of the year. So you're looking at your list and you're thinking, perhaps we should go with goalies because, as you know, goalies are voodoo. So you don't know which one will be good in five, six, seven years, okay? You don't know. You have no clue about goalies except, like, for a price or a Vasilevsky. So I like that part of the strategy to basically take goalies instead of just throwing the pick for a guy who might not even reach Laval one day. So that's that's my opinion about drafting goalies. I'm I'm fine with that. I think uh, every team should draft at least two goalies per year. All right. Uh, Mitch, the fact that Canadians drafted several overage players as well, you take a look at the Canadians draft, with all due respect, um, Three goalies, several overage players, which means they were passed up the year before in the draft. Uh, can you deem this draft successful for the Canadians? Well, I mean, it's successful because you added a potential top pairing defenseman in David Reinbacher, regardless of who we want to get into the value. But deeper in the draft, like it's, it could very well be a one-player draft for them. It could very well just be Reinbacher. I think when you look at the the overrators they took, Luke Middlestat is a pretty interesting player, but he played a very sheltered role at Minnesota. So it was a lot of offensive zone starts, a lot of power play time. He can defend the rush, but do we really know how good he is at this stage? Not really. We saw him in the USHL where he was good. We saw him in the NC. We saw him at the World Juniors where he was good, but in a similar role. And so there's a long runway there. I like the Sam Harris pick. In a vacuum, I think there was more upside available, but this is a, a rough-and-tumble power playmaking winger with a nose for the net. He can bring players towards, pass through them. He's physical. He gets open inside space, and he's going to Denver. So while he lacks some skating, while he lacks some pace, he's going to a school that is very good at getting a lot of value out of players in his archetype. Look at Carter Mazur, who's a very interesting prospect yeah. coming out of there, who didn't have a big name coming in, and now he's going to leave as one of the best players in the NCAA. 
And then the Florian Jack I one is, of course, I think the one that everyone is kind of talking about on Twitter yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Re-entry, didn't score a lick this year in the OHL. I think to his credit, he's more talented than that. He's good around the net, you know, deflecting pucks and creating chaos and so on. There's value in that, especially when you're strong in retrievals, you're physical. It's just that he doesn't have much ability to separate from opponents, not, not much of a skater, not much of a handler. And while he is tough as nails, I wouldn't want to meet him in an alleyway by any stretch of the imagination. He's certainly not his brother in the physicality department, at least not yet, but that could be linked to skating. So I got it. Yeah. I these are, these Mitch, are some I, low upside guys. Yeah, I, sure. I want to get back to, to, to round one, if we can. And last night, because there's a player that intrigues me, right? Somebody whispered in my ear some time ago about a player. And I'd love to get your thoughts on Quentin Musty. He is a very interesting player, a bit of a riser throughout the year. I think there was some off-ice stuff, nothing too major, nothing unusual, but there were just a lot of whispers of attitude issues and so on, and then he quashed all that with his play in the second half. He improved defensively, he improved physically, and then the skill is top 10. The puck handling, the shooting, the playmaking. He's a guy who I think we're going to look back on this time next year. Why didn't he go top 15? This time next year, we're going to look at him and say, why didn't he go top 15? Oh, yeah. That's right. He's a top 10 skill, in your opinion? Yep. I have a buddy of mine who had him at number six on his list. What do you say to that? I disagree with that, but I respect it and I understand it. Wow. <laughs> you know who my buddy is? That guy right there. <laughs> There we go. We got the Quinn Musty fan club right now. I and, love this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tell him, tell him, Snake, tell him why you love Musty. Uh, not only the fact that he was a 1.5 point per game guy in the OHL, which, you know, we all agree it's probably the best junior league in the world. And it's also a very projectable league, I find. You, you, you look at forwards from the OHL and they're way more projectable than guys from other countries or other leagues uh, because I, I, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but to me, it's much easier to project these guys. And Musty, I like the size. I like the skills. Uh, I like the shot. Uh, he also had a, has a great pedigree, although it doesn't matter at some point, but he was still the number one pick overall in the OHL draft a couple of years ago. And he, I don't know, he, he, he oozes skill. And I, I really don't understand why this guy went 26. I would have understood had he gone like 14 or 15, let's say. Because, you know, it's a matter of, you know, you don't like this or you don't like that about a player. I get it. But, and, and he's not a, uh, he, he, he's, he's not a, he's a okay skater, but he's not a great skater. So I can understand all this. But 26, to me, this doesn't make sense. And the question is, like we talked about, should the Canadians have traded 31 and 37 to move up and take Musty? Had they found a dance partner, that would have been the move. I, I, I'm okay with Newhook. But, and Newhook is probably better than keeping 31 and 37. But giving 31 and 37 to get Musty would have been the move, in my opinion. Mitch, who's a better defenseman on your list? David Reinbacher or um, Sandin Pelica? 
David Reinbacher, without question. I think you're getting a more diverse game from him, a lot more certainty. It's not just the size, but it's he's better at engaging opponents. He's better at sealing them off along the boards and so on and so forth. So while his decision-making isn't necessarily quite as good as Sandy and Pelica, you anticipate it will catch up because he's much better at creating space for himself through his body. You know, As he steps up in competition, the margins for error shrink. And if you can find that little bit of extra space with your body, and he can also move too. I think he's going to close the distance with the puck and the defense isn't going to be close. So without a doubt in your mind, when all is said and done, Reinbacher is the best defenseman of this draft class. I think pretty clearly. Of course, it is the draft, right? Something could go terribly wrong and I could look like a complete idiot. That's just the business. I'm professionally wrong. That's my job. But I think the odds are Reinbacher is the bestie from this draft and it certainly doesn't hurt, it certainly doesn't hurt that he's a right shot. So you're the director of amateur scouting for the Montreal Canadiens. I'm Kent Hughes. I look over at you and say, it's decision time. Pick number five. We're up. Who do you got? You say what? Zach Benson or Matthew Michikov? Zach Benson. Yeah. Okay. I think, I think, I think, okay. It, let, let's contextualize this a little bit. I think if, I think if you have Matt Michkov available or Benson, you take Benson or you take Michkov without question. The talent level is higher. He's, he, there's a more projectability to his game in terms of his ability to handle contact. Well, Benson is very clever. He can escape. Michkov yeah. is even better at absorbing contact and so on. The other guy who I honestly, he was linked to them throughout the entire. Well, let process. me ask you, let me ask you this then. Go ahead. If you take Benson, because yeah. Michkov, I understand, a lot of people view him as the second best talent in the draft. Uh, mm. Kyle Woodleaf, who joined me yesterday from the Red Line Report, said that he had different tiers. He had Connor Bedard in tier one, all alone on an island. Mave Michkov in tier two, all alone on his island. And then four or five other players in tier three. Okay? And then tier four, tier five, tier six, all that stuff. Okay? But if you take Benson, let me just play devil's advocate here now. Okay? Why would I want to take the fifth, sixth, seventh best forward in the draft when I can have the number one defenseman. Because he's the fifth, because the difference between them in terms of upside is pretty significant. And Benson, you're getting a play driver, the best playmaker in the draft, the best defensive forward in the draft, and that one's not even close. Incredible stick work. He fits in with what Montreal is trying to do. They're gonna, they would be able to extract a ton of value out of him, just as they can do with any player, because we know, or at least we assume, that they have a good development staff in place. Uh, so but yeah, the big, that would be the the big unknown though is how his game would translate to the National Hockey League level because of course he's small, man. Yeah, I mean, that uh, is true. I mean, you, you got you got Nick Suzuki, you got Cole Caulfield, you got Alex Newhook, and you want to have draft Zach Benson. Respect the opinion, by the way. Philip Boucher, formerly of the Pittsburgh Penguins, former NHL, or won a cup with the Penguins, joined me about a month ago. He saw Zach Benson with the Canadian National Program. He said, Tony, this guy's a star. And he says, mm -hmm. I'm, you know, if he's available at five, I'm picking him. So Philip Boucher shares your opinion, but that's an opinion before they acquired Newhook. So now you're going to have Suzuki at 5'11, you're going to have Newhook at 5'10, you're going to have Caulfield at 5'7. And how big is Benson, realistically? How big is he? 5'9 five, nine, five, nine and three quarters is what he measured in at. And, and three quarters, and Mozituma. So he's 5'9. All right. So now we have 5'9. 5'7, 5'9, 5'10, 5'11. I mean, where are we winning the Stanley Cup playing with these guys? Cuba? Like, like where, 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 where are we playing here? Like, where, where, where? So the question is, is, does Benson, are any of Benson's concerns linked to his size? Well, he's the best playmaker off the boards in the draft. 
He's the guy who can feather the puck through the tiniest openings. Teams maul him. They got three guys on him, beating him down. Backhand slip pass to the middle for a tap-in. So he, if he loses 15% of that, he's still the best playmaker off the boards in the draft class. He loses 25% of it. Then we get into an inter- interesting discussion of maybe Bedard is that level of playmaker and so on. So it really comes down to his margin for error in the NHL is already going to be small at that size, at that level of skating, but he has all the capability and then some to overcome it. Snake, what do you I, say? I love Benson. I mean, if Benson is six foot one, I rank him number five. Wow. But I find him small. And it, it also depends on, on the fit. Like you say, Tony, there's yep. a lot of small players with the Habs. So if you go to a team where basically you're the only five, nine and three quarters player, then fine. I mean, you can be a top six player and be very, very effective playing with two bigger guys. But with the Habs, there's been a tendency over the last, I don't know, 20, 25 years to have a lot of small forwards. And like we talked about earlier with Grant, I'm not sure you win with so many small forwards. So that's the reason why Benson might have not been a good fit with the Habs. I know small, that the small forwards take you to the playoffs because they, you yeah, know, they got they speed, do. they got skill, they yeah. got energy. But once you get to the playoffs, no longer a sprint; it's a marathon. You need guys to get over the hump, and the small players usually wear down. Usually, yeah, I think one or two per team, and they must be very talented if you want to win the cup. But you can't have a collection of them on your top six. I know, like but- like when when I brought up when I brought up Suzuki and Caulfield and and. Uh, and Newhook, I mean, Grant talked about the Tampa Bay Lightning team that won the Stanley Cup, and he mentioned Braden Point, and he mentioned uh, Kucherov as not big guys, but, I mean, with all due respect, guys, Suzuki and Caulfield are not Point and Kucherov, not until proven otherwise, right, yeah. Mitch? That's right. Yeah, they, absolutely, absolutely. You have to see what they can do, and and uh, where I was going originally was I wonder if the guy would have been Ryan Leonard at this spot. We're talking about guys who get you through the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, that's the dude inflicting the pain. That's the dude who's drawn all the penalties. That's the dude who's scoring big goals. We've seen it at every level. I mean, I think in terms of this draft class, the skill level was a little bit undervalued. I think he's right there with those other guys. So not the Mitch Cobb level of skill, not the Carlson or Fantilli, but the next tier in the Benson, in the Will Smith, in that level. And, you know, he he was rumored to be with them. He was rumored to be in discussions for a while. And I... Honestly, like you look at Ryan Leonard, he could be there, Brady Kachuk. I mean, and who doesn't want a Brady Kachuk on their line? You know, Sands four inches or whatever. Wow. Um, Mitch, why did Perot drop? Why did he slide as much as he slid? Perot? Yeah. Who went to the Rangers 23? Skating, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Skating. It's a little awkward, but really it comes down to the fact that, like, if you're going to be a smaller, evasive guy, you got to have the edges to back it up. And he kind of gets, he's a little upright, so he gets ejected out of his turns. He doesn't really explode. He stops and then has to reaccelerate. And so the skating is going to have to improve. And on top of that, I think a lot of teams, they have, when you're looking at that guy who just kind of sneaks out of the top 15, it's often not that they didn't like him. It's more they just like one guy a little bit more. You're bringing it tonight, man. I like it. I like it. Skating. Name me the top four or five skaters in the draft, Mitch. Top four or five. Connor Bedard, Dmitry Shimashev. Best one is Oliver Moore. That man, five meters behind you, he finishes the race five meters in front of you. He can rip. Tanner Melendic, super dynamic, evasive, explosive. I think those are probably the top four guys. All I right, think okay. you're full top one. Yeah. Nick Lardis. 
Oh yeah, yeah, he's in there too. Oh That's my I think this is one of the the. I don't like saying steal because a steal is when a, pro a, a player has proven at the NHL level that he outperformed his uh, rank of uh, selection. But I think Lardis has the potential to really, really be much better than the, the, the pick he was chosen. Where did, where did he go? Where did he go? What? Where did he go in the draft? Chicago. At what number, you know? 67. 67, 67. early 67. third round. Wow. This guy normally should have been a, a mid-first round pick in my book. So Chicago, Chicago was flying yeah, this draft then. Chicago, yeah. Chicago is a big winner. That's what no, but that's what Kyle Davidson said that they're going to build the team on speed, and they did the same thing last year in their draft. You know, with Nazar and Ludwinski, and this year obviously with Bedard and uh, Oliver Moore, they want a very very fast team. I mean, maybe not all of them will become stars, but this seems to be the team philosophy now. Mitch, uh, I want to thank you so much for your collaboration. This is the first time for you on the Sick Podcast. I hope it's the first of many. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did because I had a blast. Uh, you know, we talk about Mavic Michka, we talk about Connor Bedard, and a lot of people view them as phenoms, right? Phenoms uh, in the hockey world. Uh, I view you as a young phenom in what you do. So keep it up, but I'll talk to you soon. Really appreciate it, Tony. Thanks a lot. And thank yep. you, Snake, too. Appreciate it. All right, there you have it. Mitchell Brown. Follow him on Twitter at Mitch L. Brown. Uh, articles on EP Ringside and, of course, videos on Elite Prospects. Marinero, a shout-out to Murphy Clinic, an aesthetic clinic specializing in medical aesthetic care. They offer permanent laser hair removal as well as a wide range of treatments for skin problems such as acne, rosacea, fine lines, and more. They currently have two clinics, one located in Montreal, Shop Angus, and the second on the North Shore in Terban. They're also opening soon in Quebec City. Visit murphyclinic.ca or on Instagram at murphyclinic. Also want to give a shout-out to my boys, Sam and Charlie, who specialize in fascial stretch therapy. They have a stretch clinic called Optimal Stretch Clinic, 4710 St. Ambroise uh, in the point. Uh, 4710 St. Ambroise. Check them out at OptimalStretchClinic.com. They're open seven days a week. And they have a bunch of other services that they offer in the clinic as well, from acupuncture to cupping and uh, even nutritionists and stuff. It's kind of like your one-stop shop. But anyway... They stretched me around, myself and my eldest today, and they did absolutely wonders. Snake, i got to ask you this. Yeah. There's talk. There's talk that the Nashville Predators offered a package to the Montreal Canadiens for pick number five. In that package was goalie Askarov. This is based on what we're hearing, and obviously it didn't happen. If you're Kent Hughes... Do you trade pick five for Askarov and maybe even Nashville's pick? Well, Nashville had two more picks. Are they included? What happened? I just had to wash my hair there. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So I said Askarov, okay, but both of Nashville's first round picks or just one of them? No, just one pick and I, both. Now we're going to get both plus the goalie for the pick. Here, here, here. Boom, boom, boom to you. They get destroyed uh, my laptop. Well, one pick, it, it, so basically, it would be for me Askarov and Musty, Quentin Musty, or August to Musty now. Yeah, number 15. What's wrong it's with that? It's a facade with this Musty, you. Yeah. You have an infatuation. You know what it means? Facade. It's a facade. You have an infatuation. Yeah. 
I do. I do. So uh, look, Askarov and Musty or Mishkov. I, I, I still take Mishkov. But Reinbacher or Askarov and Musty, I take Askarov and Musky and Musty. I don't hear you anymore. I think I ruined my laptop by uh no, I think screen. you're I think you're just speechless. Oh, listen, you have an infatuation with Quentin Musty. I saw it like yeah. three or four months ago. Oh, yeah. You had him well, at number six on your list. Yeah, and I stick to my guns. This was You'll one see. this You'll was see. one this was one boring draft, though, eh? The sick yeah. podcast now and yesterday yeah. was ten times more exciting than the podcast. Oh, then, sure the, uh, then the draft. Yeah, no trades, nothing. I mean, we're very, very far from the NBA and the NFL. Very far. We're not even in the same conversation. They're on the other yeah. side of the street. They're like this. I mean, the, the NBA trades are absolutely amazing. Hey, NHL, guys, we're over here. And then we're not walking. We're not catching up. And they're like, Ciao. See These you later. GMs, they're, they're too conservative. Too conservative. They don't, they don't want to lose their job. It, it, they, it's... They, they don't see, I, I mean, if you tell a GM, well, they don't want to lose their job, they want to lose their job. I mean, they don't want to lose their job. You want to lose your job, Tony? They're in the hockey world, they're going to lose their job at some point. So, in the meantime, we're all going to lose our job at some point. What we're all going to lose our job at some point, yeah. But look, there are people who are not as uh, uh, who have a lesser chance of losing their job after a year or two or three than. NHL GMs, obviously. Yeah. And I think what it is, I think if you told most NHL GMs, I'm going to give you a job for 25 years, but you'll never reach the final four. Or another one who, I, I'm, who would be told, you're going to have a job for three years, but you win one cup. And then, you know, you go do something else with your life. I think most of them would take the 25 year job because they like the lifestyle. That's a nice lifestyle. It is a nice lifestyle. But Personally, I'd rather have this lifestyle for three years and win a cup than have it for 25 years and always be, you know, out by round two. No, I no. Because if you're doing it for 25 years and you're getting paid $4 million a year, you just made $100 million. Yeah, yeah. But I don't if you're doing it for it. three years and you make you $4 million a year, you just made $12 million. You're yeah, down 88 million. Is good. 12 is good, you know? I mean, no, no, no. 100 is better. 100 is better. 12. Yeah. Tony, look at David Poyle. He was there for 40 years. Where are you going to go with $12 million? You're going to get taxed. You're going to end up making clearing six, seven. Yeah. Six, seven. Your wife's going to leave you. You're stuck with half. I don't care. I have my Stanley Cup. You know? Anyway, look at David Poyle. Your wife ends up leaving you. You got to give her half. Then she gets the house, everything. Takes you to the cleaners. Where are you going to go with $12 million? Okay, $12 million nowadays is going to get you nowhere, my friend. No, I wouldn't choose a life like that. But anyway, that's another story. And this is my personal life. Yeah. And that we're not going to get into because nobody no. cares. Let's not get into it. Tony, David Coyle, yeah. 40 yeah. years as a GM. Yeah. Two Stanley Cup finals to his pedigree. Yeah. Okay. The guy had a job for 40 years. Well, the way really? they honored him last night, they made it look like they were honoring Sam Pollock. <laughs> my God, the way everyone was honoring him, they, they made it look like he invented hockey. Yeah. David Poyle. It's ridiculous. Poyle, Poyle. He's a good guy. He had a good career, but I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, they made him well, sound like uh, yeah, good for him. But good for this, him, yeah, for what sure. I, mean, I, yeah. I, I, I have nothing against the guy. I don't. Me neither. Why but, do you have to bring David Poyle's name into this now? Like he, he was there for he was there for forty years, and he, he and he reached two Stanley Cup finals. Period. 
I don't think this is a highly successful GM, but this is a guy for some reason who, you know, um, uh, hung on to his job for many, many years because he only worked for two teams. So it's kind of particular. I don't think you'll ever see this again. A guy who's going to be a GM for 40 years with only two teams. That's unbelievable. I mean, this is a Guinness uh, world record or something that is going to stand forever. Guinness World Book of Records, eh? Yeah. All right, okay. Is the honeymoon over for Gorton and Hughes? No. No. Because you think, hold on a second. You think the fan base loves them and has confidence in them as much as day one? That's what you're telling me. Maybe not, but I don't think the ho- the honeymoon's over because it's too early in the rebuild. And you know how, f- how fans are. The money the honeymoon's be- not over, but not everyone's crazy about uh, trading no, picks 3137 and Johnny Fairbrother for Alex Newhook. Personally, I, I think it's going to work that. out. I, I know that, but who really knows Alex Newhook in Montreal? Really? Now, who really okay. knows David Reinbacker or, or Mavin well, Michkov for exactly, that matter? Exactly. Everyone that's talking about Michkov never saw him play. Exactly. So, look, what's going to happen is that a lot of uh, fans were ready to jump off the bridge last night. But once the Habs get on the ice, Runbacher's good, they win a few games, they all come back. You know, they don't need... It doesn't take much for fans to come back here in Montreal and be enthusiastic. So I think they're going to be very patient. Look, they, they were just patient have to play with... entertaining hockey, but that's that's why I like offensive players. You know, like I yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, look, listen, this kid's a, this kid's a good pick. He's a good kid and he's a good pick, and I'm sure he's going to help out a lot. But the sexy picks are offensive players, right? We talked about it before, right? Morris Rocket, Richard, Guy Lafleur, Ivan Cournoyer, Stéphane Richer. These are the guys. and Timmons were there for ten years. And a lot of fans were still defending them. Timmons had although, a great... Although they, they were pretty mediocre. I mean, look at the, the team that they left. I don't care about the 2021 hey, final. Hey, can I tell you something? That, that was a silly season. You can criticize Trevor Timmons, and by all means, he, he oh. deserves a lot of it, oh, of yeah. the criticism. But he also deserves a lot of praise because I, I'll say this. I, I said it before, and I'm going to say it again. The player development, or lack thereof hurt the Canadians more than Timmons drafting. That's my opinion. Yeah, but do you know that he was director of player development for a while? I think that's just the title they gave him, was he? Yeah, but yeah. you know what? Hold on a second. He's director of player development, but you have to want to do stuff in the organization as well. I mean, look at Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon. They bring in Adam Nicholas. They bring in a whole team. They got St. Louis involved. They got like guy. Is that going to work? They're are, all are, in. Are, do we know if it's going to work or not? It can't hurt. It can't hurt. You're going to have a skills development coach working with a bunch of players yeah, yeah. on their weaknesses or actually reinforcing their strengths. It's it's like it's like going to a tutor. It's yeah, like going they, to a tutor. You keep going to a tutor, you're going to learn the subject matter better. To, uh, yeah, but, you know, taking David Fisher and Galchenyuk and all these guys, uh, Sherback, uh, I mean, come on. I mean, the guy doesn't have a great track record. And the proof is, had he been so great, he would have been rehired right away by another team, either maybe as a chief scout. It took a while before he found this little, That's you know, jump in, in That's Columbus. Not That's yeah. not fair. Ask me why. Oh, I know what you're going to say. It was the middle. Of, it was the middle of the season. And he's a director of amateur scouting, and usually people like that get hired once a team replaces their general manager, and the general manager ends up firing the director of amateur scouting, and then there's an opening. 
Okay, hey, look, so why, why did they keep look, him in the a lot of people? A lot of people are saying that the Columbus was a, I'm not here to defend Trevor Timmons, by the way. Uh, but a lot of people are saying that Columbus is a top three winner of this weekend's or the past two days draft, a top three winner. Okay. Of and the you're going to tell me it's because of Timmons. Well, well, you know what? He's going to have something to do with it. Are you going to tell me that it's not because of him and he's got no credit whatsoever? Part of he's, a just team. A, he's just part of a team. He's, he's part of a team. He's, well, he's, area, part of a he's team. an area scout. He's an area scout. Anyway, my point is what I don't understand is that. And, and that's what really killed Bergevin. Bergevin in 2012 had a golden opportunity to get rid of Timmons, but he did not. And in my opinion, I'm sure that Timmons had compromising photos of Bergevin because I don't know how no! he was able to convince him to keep his job after being so mediocre. Whoa, what, 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 are, you, what are you saying here? What are you talking about? I, I'm saying that normally when a GM comes in, yeah. He scouts, his chief scout is out. Okay. Okay, he was not. What did he tell Bergeron when you first met him? I have uh, I have uh, compromising photos of you. Oh, okay, Trevor, so I'll keep you around for 10 years. Bergeron lost his job because of Trevor Timmons' work. Okay. Bergeron, I don't think, was a great GM, but I don't think he was a bad GM either. But he was certainly not helped by the, the silly picks that, that uh, or lack of good picks because anyone can twist it around and just say, well, according to this chart and that chart, Montreal is the best dra uh, team drafting team in the league. Whatever. Look, what you look, you have to look at. You you have to look at one thing. Mm -hmm. How many players did Timmons bring? Tim Timmons uh, bring over the twenty years that he was around, and look at the league average. Okay. You know, on average, there's about 50 players that make the NHL. So now let's just have a conversation yeah. just for the sake of having a conversation, okay? Yeah. So the Montreal Canadiens hire Mark Bergevin. If memory serves me well, he was May 2nd, 2012, okay? Yeah. So you say when a new general manager comes in, he usually, you know, uh, makes a move and brings in his own director of amateur scouting, which, by the way, is the case. But mind you, Marty St. Louis, uh, Marty Lapointe kept the job with the Montreal Canadiens, and he's co-director of amateur scouting with Nick Brabrov, who was brought in by um, Gorton. Jeff Gorton. Okay, yeah. perfect. Okay. So now, when Bergevin comes in May, okay, he has to analyze the work that Trevor Timmons did up until the 2012 draft. Correct. Well, so or, or maybe so 2003 to yeah. 20. 11 okay yeah so now you give me you give me a um Timmons pick that you don't think worked out during that span give me one a pick that was bad during that span? 2003 to 2011 just give me a bad pick just give me a bad pick, but don't give me pick, don't give me pick number one twenty two. See, David Fisher is a good one to give me. Okay, David yeah. Fisher is a good one. So I'll counter and I'll say, okay, well they picked up Brendan Gallagher one year in the fifth round, one forty seven. All right, but so every team finds a Brendan Gallagher at some point. Dallas got Jamie Ben, and they make it as if Trevor Timmons would turn into gold. Any fourth, fifth round pick. He, he, he was living, Trevor Timmons on, was living on the reputation of the 2007 draft and the fifth round pick of Brendan Gallagher. That's very, very thin, Tony. If you want to win the Stanley Cup, the goal is to win the Stanley Cup. That so is very, I, very... By the way, I don't disagree with what you just said. I think you raised yeah. some pretty good points, okay? But hold on a second. But there's more to it than that, though, okay? okay. That okay. 2007 draft that you just talked about, you don't do that by fluke, eh? 
You remember who they picked, eh? You remember, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Ryan McDonough, Pacioretty, Subban. Correct. And uh, to Hold an extent, yeah. Pick 12, pick 22, and yeah. pick 43. Yeah. In a span of 30 picks. Home runs. Though that That's probably some of the three best players I've ever seen drafted by any team. Any team. Okay? Well, look at the 1984-1987 drafts of the Habs. Was Stefan Richet and Patrick Roy? Yeah. And Peter Roboda. And then 1987, Eric Desjardins, John Leclerc, Matthew Schneider. Yeah, those, but... were, those were epic drafts, really. Yeah, yeah. Less teams back then, too, though. Yeah. True. Look... Uh, but you can't have a career built on one uh, on one draft. It's like a one hit wonder. No, no. But Yaroslav Yaroslav Alak in the ninth round, two hundred seventy first overall, was not too shabby. Yeah, fine. But you know, any team you can find these guys. But look at the. He, okay, I'll tell you something. Yemelin was never, a pretty he, good he pick at 84. Mark Streit, Mark Streit was a pretty good pick at two sixty two. Okay. Sergey Kostin was a pretty good pick at two. Listen, I I grant you. That yeah. his first round picks at a hard time. Yeah. At a hard time. I, I grant you that's that that's a fact. Tony, I mean, you, you can build but a I career mean, over uh, 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 one draft. But Grant McCagg basically told us yesterday that the Louis LeBlanc draft of 2009, mm -hmm. that Trevor Timmons wanted Chris Kreider. Okay. So why did we see that paper? On the Canadian stable that RDS, the RDS cameraman picked, and Louis Leblanc, I think, was in the top 10. You can go on YouTube and find it. You know, Trevor Timmons always has excuses. And I remember I read an article after the draft where uh, the, the I, I, I don't remember what year, but John Carson was picked very, very late. Yeah, I remember and that, yeah. that. 2008, yeah. And that pick, that year, Bob Guinea traded the pick to get Alex Tangay. Correct. And now there's a myth, you know, there's going around that Trevor Timmons wanted John Carson. And that's what he's saying. But I yeah. read an article, and again, it's on the net, where basically he was interviewed after the draft. And he said, well, we tried to move up and maybe for a, a, a guy from the queue, but it didn't work out. No big deal. Ah, but years later, oh, I wanted John Carson. Come on. I, I, I don't believe everything this guy says, honestly, because Sir he always Sergeyev was a great pick. Sergachev was a great pick. Was a great pick. McAvoy would have been better, in my opinion. Not so sure. Not so huh? sure. Okay, Sergachev so was a great pick. Sergachev yeah. was a great pick. Sergachev yeah. was a. It's not his fault that uh, that Mark Bergevin traded Sergachev no, for John Bergevin. But... That's not his fault. But look, go on AkiDB. Go two thousand three. You know the draft pick of Pacioretty got you Nick Suzuki. You realize that? Okay, but uh, okay, but this is Mathias Brunet territory. You know, he he, he starts uh, uh, the 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 trade tree. You know. And, yeah, and yeah, I understand. I understand. In, 45, in 45 years, he's going to say, well, you know, that was Pacioretty's pick. Yeah, yeah, we're doing it to have a discussion. Romanov was a good pick. Kakanyemi was not a good pick. He obviously should have taken Brady Kachuk. But you wanted Quinn Hughes that draft, I think. Oh, yeah, Quinn Hughes. I, I was a Quinn Hughes fan. I'm still a Quinn Hughes fan. And I do think that with Quinn Hughes, yeah. the Canadians would not have gone down the standings the way they did over the last couple of years. Cole Not Caulfield and Caden Gooley were two great picks. Okay, great. And by the way, I know I'm going to get a lot of heat for this, but let's be honest here. Logan Mayu at 31 is going to turn out to be a great pick. 
No, Logan Mayo at thirty at thirty one is an AHL player, and it's normal because at thirty one there's not much left. So I'm not blaming Timmins. But although there were other players available, but I'm not blaming Timmins. You don't think Logan Mayu at thirty one is going to be a good pick? You guys, you guys are on drugs thinking that Logan Mayu is going to be a great player. I never touched a drug in my life. I'll tell you that right now. Okay, well, maybe you should start. Tell me Viagra doesn't count in this conversation. <laughs> no, Logan Mayu, Tony, forget it. Hey, I mean, I was I never touched ceiling, Viagra, by the way. Ceiling third pairing. Ceiling third I never pairing. touched it. Why would I? They say you can go four hours for 30 minutes more. Is it worth it? Not worth it. <laughs> Is your wife listening? <laughs> you like that one or what? I love it. I oh, love it. funny. Tony. You think it was a joke or what's the story here? So hold on a second. Go through that whole spiel with me now that we're all on drugs. We're all on drugs with what exactly? Logan Mayu. I about- mean, I mean, you you got you guys see him as uh, you know a, a top pairing defenseman. Yeah. Just because he was good in his 19 year old season, where yeah. basically he's three times the size of everybody else. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, the guy's gonna reach what? He's still gonna be bigger than everyone else when he's gonna make it to National Hockey League. The guy's six foot five. He's 220 pounds, and he can shoot the puck through a brick wall. What are you talking about, Snake? What are you because talking about tonight? When he goes to Laval next year, huh? You, you know, you, you you're gonna calm down. No, I'm not. You. No, he's going to quarterback the power play in Laval. Okay, okay. A lot okay. of people were saying that about Ma- Matthias uh, Norlander. Yeah, so, uh, I'm not talking about Matthias Norlander. I'm talking no, about no, the a lot of you and I work. are going to go to the Laval Rocket game next year. We're going to even sit next to each other if we want. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I sat behind you about uh, 20 years ago at, at a Sharks game in the red section near the camera. And my buddy and I, who, uh, you know, uh, we didn't know each other at the time. My buddy and I were just talking. And, and you kept interrupting us with your takes, you know. And at some point, my buddy told you to shut up. You probably Are you don't serious with me or what? No, this happened for real. This happened for real? Yeah, at a Sharks game. It was the game that Claude Lemieux, 43-year-old Claude Lemieux, came to the Sharks. Now, I think you were there with your wife. And we were in the red section, Can't close to me. the camera. And I'm right behind you, and I say, oh, I went hi, to a Tony. game with my wife. My wife still thinks Koivu plays for the Canadians. Forget about okay, it. I didn't so go to no game mistress? with my wife. So that was your mistress? No. Yeah, if I'm going to have a mistress, I'm going to bring her to the Bell Center in front of 20,000 people. Tony Marinaro in the media with the mistress at the Bell Center. Hot cat. Well, at the time, everybody taking pictures. Hi, right, here we go. Yeah, hey, but, here we are. At the time, you were on uh, team, uh, team 990, and... Uh, uh, you are not on TV yet. So, because when I recognize you, uh, you were like, oh, yeah, yeah, so and so. And we started talking. And then you, my buddy said something and we discussed the player. And you kept interrupting us, saying that we were wrong and everything. And at some point, my hey. buddy was off. So, hold on a second. Yeah. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. <laughs> hold on a second. We have to get down to the bottom of this. Hold on a second. Oh, yeah. Hold on a second. This is but do you remember attending that? No, Claude I don't Lemieux remember game? any of this. Okay, you don't remember Claude and I can't as believe your buddy said you told me to shut up. Yeah. Usually when uh, I talk, I get paid. Now I'm talking. Your buddy's telling me to shut up? Yeah. Babe? Yeah? I'm live on the podcast right now. Where are you? I'm taking a walk. You're taking a walk? It sounds like you're in the house, babe. No, it's impossible. Babe, I'm live right now on YouTube. I'm with Simon the Snake Boisvire, okay? And guess what? He said that he and I met before at a hockey game about 20 years ago. 
And he said the Canadians were playing the Sharks and you and I were at the game together. Do you remember me and you going to a Montreal Canadian San Jose Sharks game together 20 years ago? Yeah, we went a few times. We went a few times to the Canadians game? Yes. I didn't know that. You know what he just said live? You know what he just said live on YouTube? Wow. I said, I doubt I was there with my wife. My wife doesn't like hockey. You know what he said? Maybe it was your mistress. (laughs) So I said to him, do you think I'm going to take a mistress to the Bell Center with 20,000 people and everyone's going to know me because I'm working on the radio at the time? So it was with you, babe. Yes, for sure. I wouldn't go with anybody else, babe. No. There's no other woman in my life. No. It's just you and me. Get ready. I'm getting off the podcast pretty soon. Come on, babe. Sha la 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 la. Bye. Come on, babe. I feel strong tonight. Tony, since no one's listening, oh, since no one's me. watching. Just between you and I? She's in trouble tonight. That, serious, not, serious that trouble. That's why the game. I envied you because I thought she was very pretty. Oh, really? Yeah. Ben Pham, my wife. Ben, oui. Ben, oui. No, I'm telling you. Yeah. I overachieved on this one. Let me oh, see big if time. I, big time. Me, big time. You know, see. like on a scale of 10 plus 3 minus 3? I mean, me that doesn't me work see. for you. Let me see. Hold on. Let me see. Hold on. Let me see. If I can find something, I should... Uh... <laughs> I should have a picture of my wife somewhere, should I not, or? Well, did she authorize you to show it? Hold on a second. Hold on a second. I should... oh my God, I just went into my favorites, and I just passed eight pictures of Guy Lafleur. I'm not oh. kidding, by the way. Look <laughs> at that one. Oh my goodness! Is that something? This is a nice uh, collage, yeah. Oh, that's 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 beautiful. That yeah. is, yeah, yeah. Me and the flower. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So I uh, I have a lot of pictures of uh, of Guy and my favorite pictures there. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And I'm trying to find the one of me and the missus, and I'm having a hard time. This is unbelievable. Oh, I just found one of Sharon Stone. I can't show that one. <clears throat> it's a basic instinct moment. Oh yeah. Why do you have this on your phone? I don't know. Wait, what do you? What do you have? What you have in your phone? Well, let's just say that if there was a leak like a few years ago, I'm in trouble. What leak? You remember the Apple leak or whatever when all the celebrities' their phones were hacked and oh, all really? these naked pictures came out? Yeah, Tiger Woods and Lindsey Vaughn. You know? Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I, I just. I, oh, I Tony's interested all of a sudden. I can't. Uh, I, I, I can't find. Uh, I can't find a picture. I just can't. I really can't. Well, text it to me when you find it. I mean, uh, this is one that was taken in Hollywood, probably about six, seven years ago. But uh, that's. Uh, I just. I can't mm. find any pictures. Unbelievable. So you think that all of us that think that Mayu is going to be the real deal in the NHL, you think? That we're on drugs. Yeah. Or you need drugs to forget about that, uh, you know, crazy moment. No, no, but you, you're something else, though, eh? I know. 
You know, and I'm not saying this to get, and compared to what a lot of people think, I'm not saying this to get attention, Tony. No, no, no. You're you're highly, you're highly underestimating this player. I'm telling you right now, you are highly underestimating this player. For me, his ceiling is third pairing, and that's his ceiling. I don't see this guy as a top four player. I don't see this guy as a, a power play guy. I see this guy as struggling in Laval the first season, going there for a second season. By the end of the contract, might get a cup of coffee in the NHL. Then after three years, we'll see. Might be a third-pairing guy. But you know what, Tony? That's normal. He was picked 31st. I think we have a family picture. Hold on. I think we have a family picture here. I think we have a family picture. I think I found one. Family picture. There you go. All right. Yep. Not everyone shows their family, but I just did. All right. Okay. Yeah, you did. That's good. But you asked me for a picture now, and uh... well, no, I didn't ask for anything. But I told you that you know, it, it was the Claude Lemieux game. Must have, must have been maybe sixteen years ago or something. So I was with my wife, but you were sitting behind me. Yeah. I kept on talking, giving comments, and your buddy told me to shut up. Yeah, because we were talking, and at some point he kind of told you. Uh, and he didn't know you. He didn't know who you were. He didn't he know, me. He didn't know me. Team 990. And at some point he said, uh, look, sir, uh, th- this conversation is between my buddy and I. Oh, really? And yeah, yeah. That's pretty much what he told you. He didn't say shut up, but he said this conversation is between... You know how sometimes you're in a lineup somewhere, you know, at yeah, the yeah. store, and you yeah. talk to your spouse and everything. There's always one guy or woman, you know, approaching and saying, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that was you. That was me. My, yeah, wife, there was person, my wife tells I me think, that I talk a lot. I even think the argument was about Matt Sundin. I'm not sure 100%, but the argument was about Matt Sundin. It was about Matt Sundin. I, I think so. I'm, and, 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 you, and your wife was next to you. And I and gave my was, opinion on Matt Sundin. I think it was about Matt Sundin. And anyway, oh, yeah. at some point, my buddy got fed up. And I said, look, he, he's, uh, he's, a, he's a very good uh, uh, sports guy on Team 990. And my buddy said, what is Team 990? Well, I said, he's the yeah. English you know, radio station, blah, blah, blah. It was a and, uh, there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. uh, and that's it. He goes off. You told him he was okay. a very good guy, though, eh? Very yes, good guy. I, did. I like yeah. you. That's why when I heard oh, your voice, you. I, I, I like you too. Yeah, I, I recognize you. I recognize the voice, and I oh, said, yeah. "Is that Tony Mary?" Yeah, because you were not on TV yet. So I recognized the voice. I'm like, "Hey, I go, are you Tony from Team 990?" And you said, "Yeah." And then I said, "You know, nice meeting you." Blah blah blah. That's it. Why and didn't then you give me your number back then? You would have told me I'm Simon the Snake Boisvert. I, I was not the snake the in 2007. I was not. I, I was. I, I was like a total, total unknown in 2007. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. The whole story came out uh, with Matthias around uh, early 2011. Yeah. Raw footage is weighing in on YouTube Live. Well, you said it, raw footage. Not me. All right. Okay. And uh, so at what point did you become Simon the Snake Boisvert? So yesterday, what were you doing? You and uh, Mathias Brunner on La Presse newspaper? On yeah, what? We on the chatting. website or what? You were chatting yeah, on the uh, website? On yeah. the lapresse.ca website, we were answering questions. Okay. And commenting on each pick. So were and... you commenting? Were you typing yourself or was Mathias doing the typing? No, no. We were both doing our, our business separately. Oh, oh, you're both doing your business. Doing your business. Yeah, so le- le- we were like looking for questions to answer. And uh, Matthias mostly was like, I wouldn't call him the moderator, but let's say he was leading the way by saying so-and-so was big. Yeah. And, 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 and me, I was basically answering questions. You know, what do you think of the new hook trade? Yeah. What's your top 15, et cetera, et cetera. Look, it, 
I know the draft was boring yesterday for most people, but for me, it was uh, uh, three and a half hours of, uh, of fun, and uh, I was exhausted at the end of the night. In fact, I'm exhausted. I had uh, three radio gigs today, so they're very, very uh, hectic oh, so moments. Tired. Yeah, but then I disappear for a year. They never call me during a year. I went for three hours and 45 minutes straight last night. By the way, I no know. commercials. I know. I made Grant talk for about 30 seconds, and I went to do number one, uh, and I came back. No commercials for me yesterday. Three hours and 45 minutes straight. Great job. The last time that happened was the honeymoon. I, I thought it was, I thought it was four hours and plus thirty minutes, whatever you just. Yeah, said. yeah, yeah. No, four hours. Okay. Yeah, sure. Three and a half hours, four hours. You know what they say? Hey, it's not the uh, the quantity; it's the quality. Of course. Hey, you know how many people are watching right now on YouTube Live? I don't know, Tony. Are we live or we're recording? No, no, we're live. We're recording. Oh, yeah? This is all about live, my friend. We oh, go live. How many are watching? Is... Uh, we're close to a thousand. Okay. Not yeah. bad for a, a, a summer, uh, a June. No, uh, not Thursday. bad for uh, Thursday, June 29th. By the way, yesterday we were close to 2,000. Okay. And uh, and uh, yesterday's uh, yesterday's uh, podcast of uh, the first night of the NHL draft, we have over 20,000 views. So oh, I'm yeah. very, very happy to say that. So I want to thank everyone very much. And now, you know what? Uh, this is it. I just went one hour and a half tonight, 90 minutes. You are with me for the whole ride. And I want to end it now. This way I can always keep uh, people on their appetite and they can keep on asking for more. You know what I mean? Yep. The next time we'll do a show, I'm going to try and get Quentin Musty to join us. You better. All right. Hey, so the Canadians, their draft in the end, if you had to grade them, what was it? Well, look, I, I like Mitch Brown said, it may well be because of the fact that they didn't have picks 31 37 it it, it might just be a one player draft it might just be a one player draft yeah but you're yeah. convinced that Mitchov is going to score 50 goals with the Philadelphia Flyers of course how many times five he's going to have five seasons of 50 goals yeah and we just passed Good night, Snake. Salut, Tony. I'm Marinaro. Special thanks to La Bitta TB, Energy Transportation Group, Playground, and Murphy Clinic. If you like the podcast, like it, share it with your friends, tell your friends, your neighbors, your family to subscribe to our YouTube channel. The more people do, the more people watch, the more money we make. Thank God. Also, if you listen to us on Google, Apple, or Spotify, Leave us a five-star review. It's our way of feeling the love. Simo the Snake Boisvert just told me that Matt Mamichkov is going to join the Philadelphia Flyers. And when he does, he's going to have five 50-goal seasons. And the last time the Montreal Canadiens had a player who put up five seasons of 50 goals, it was him, Le Demon Blanc, Guy Lafleur. I miss you, Guy. I'm Marinaro for Agnello and Sammy Cavallaro in Orlando, Florida at a conference for families of SMA and Shane Gomol at Master Control. You're listening to the Sick Podcast, the sickest podcast in Montreal, in Quebec, and in Canada right now. We're taking over the world. <laughs>
And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow The Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. LaVita.tv. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination.